You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So it's good to be back with you. For those of you, I travel a little bit here and there. Now I was back on last Sunday, but I didn't preach um, because I had been traveling so much. So actually, um, I got, I haven't told all of you this, I told a couple people, but I actually got the opportunity this last weekend to travel and minister with actually my daughter. And it was one of the coolest experiences for me. I'm not sure it was that cool for her, but it was cool for me. Um, So our Southeast District of Foursquare, our denomination is six states. And in one of those smaller regions within the six states is a cultural region. It's a Hispanic region. And I actually got to preach the ordination to ordain new pastors that would be Spanish-speaking. In fact, they didn't speak any English at all. And how many of you know how much Spanish I speak? Donde esta el baño? That's as far as it goes. And so I took my interpreter with me, and Celia went down and interpreted for me. And it was great. We had a great time. So um, we were sitting in the airport, and um, actually we had, we had separated. She had gone to her flight to come home. I had gone to my flight to come home, and I was sitting there thinking about the weekend and kind of reflecting on the travel. I'd been traveling a bunch. And, um, you know, our, tra- our family travels a lot together, actually. Um, we travel really well. In fact, we do it extended. We do it with my wife's whole family. We go on big vacations, like 15 of us. And when we start coming in, they just like, people just like, whoa, here comes a crowd, you know. And um, we need to rent buses, kind of deal, vans when we rent cars. Last time we went, we had to rent three cars just to move us all around. It was crazy. And I was sitting in the airport and I thought, wow, we have come a long way, though, to get to this stage where traveling is, is this good and this joyful and this uh, rich. Because I'm just going to tell you, it wasn't that way when they were little. Can I just be honest? How many of you have ever been on that vacation where the only thing that really happened was whining, you know, or grumbling or complaining or murmuring? It's like you had to create that invisible line right down the middle of the car, you know. He's looking at me. She's touching me, you know. I don't like to hike. I don't want to go here. This place doesn't have a pool. You know, all of those things. Can we stop now? I'm hungry. I'm hot. I'm cold. It's all of that. But I wanted Coke. I need to go potty. You know, it's all of that. The sun is shining in my face. I can't sleep. The music's too loud. The music's too soft. I don't want to watch this video anymore. I mean, it's just all of that. And you just knew. I mean... Sometimes I would think about what my grandmother used to would say, and she'd say, I just want to pinch their little heads off. <laughs> I never did that. I was going to tell you, I thought of my grandmother a couple times, right? But I was sitting in this airport reflecting on a great, actually, you know, this time of being able to, to do something with my daughter in ministry, and I thought, man, we have come such a long ways because I knew, like, if you could get them that perspective back then, right? If you could just allow them to see what is versus what isn't, you know? If you could just change their perspective a little bit, they would have a really good time with everything that is. I remember one time our son, we were on a hike, and literally he said, I'm going nowhere else, and he sat down in the middle of a dirt road. <laughs> Susan's like, what are we going to do? I said, we're not going anywhere. So we just had to take a break, you know. But you needed to help with perspective. 
We put this in your notes, and this is kind of where I'm going today. Living with an attitude of gratitude, though, when you have the right perspective, will open your life to more life. And it'll position you for God to work in a greater way in your life. This morning, we're going to talk about gratitude. But there are enemies of gratitude in our lives, and they exist every day for all of us. In the United States especially, there is an entitlement mentality that is an enemy to gratitude every day, right? We think that uh, everything is, I deserve this, and I, I blame Burger King for it. <laughs> I do. I have blamed Burger King for over 20 years for that. I mean, they, were, they started out with, you can have it, and you can have it your way, right? And I just, I just blame them for this fast food, we can have it as fast as we want it now. The other enemy is that we take people and things for granted. We, we don't uh, consider the contribution. We look past their contribution that they make to us. Um, another enemy is discontentment. How many of you know that every printed ad, every commercial, everything you hear on the radio as far as advertising is all designed with one thing in mind? To make you discontent. The idea that if I don't have that, I'm not fulfilled. I, I need that. I have to have that. I want that. I mean, right now, it's if you don't have a new car with a bow on top of it on Christmas morning, I mean, who are you? Right? Everything's designed to make us discontent. All the... I'm seriously, we turned on the TV this morning while we were getting ready, and I, it was like four ads of different car manufacturers. Everybody had a bow, and like you could wake up on Christmas morning and have a car, and it's just all designed to make us discontent, and it's an enemy to being grateful for what we have. Worry. Worry can be an enemy because we worry. It can become all-consuming about what might happen, what could happen, what would I do if it did happen, um, who will I talk to if it happens? How will we fix it when it happens? All of that, the worry can become an enemy of our gratitude. And then the last one I could think of was selfish ambition. Selfish ambition can become an enemy of being grateful and having gratitude because it's all about me. It's all about who I am, who I'm becoming, who I want to be. All of those things can become an enemy and prevent us from having a grateful heart and having gratitude. We found a quote, and I put it in your notes. It's from Dr. Albert Schweitzer. Those of you who don't know, maybe you would be too young to know. In 1951 or 52, Dr. Albert Schweitzer was a Nobel Peace Prize winner because of his uh, groundbreaking hospital in West Africa where um, there was no medical care. And he said this, the greatest thing is to give thanks for everything. He who's learned this knows what it means to live. So I want to frame today's text. We're going to look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning. And I want to give you a little backdrop for that and where we're going. So in 1 Thessalonians, uh, the church in Thessalonica is facing some tough opposition. How many of you knew that in the first century... Uh, there was great opposition against the believers, not just from the Jewish people, but from also from Rome. Did you know that? It was great opposition. So these are outside of, uh, this is in the, what would be uh, the Roman provinces, and they were facing great opposition. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, was afraid that this church 
might give in. They might fall away. They might not stay engaged. Uh, they might be doing other things. And, uh, and so he sent Timothy to encourage them. And so Timothy comes back to him and has a really great report. He basically tells Paul, he says, the church in Thessalonica is strong. It's good. It's amazing. And so the Apostle Paul actually writes this letter to the church to express his joy. And if you were to summarize this book, the, the summary would be, keep up the good job. That's the, that's the tone of Paul's letter to this church. And so here in chapter 5, he's come to the last chapter, and he's giving some final exhortations, some kind of, some last minutes, hey, keep up the good, good work kind of uh, instructions. And so in chapter 5, verse 16, he says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will for you, this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. So today I want to take this scripture as a framework for how we can live gratefully. The first thing is this, is be joyful. In fact, it says rejoice always in this verse. Be joyful. Choose your attitude. Here in the South, some of the first phrases that we teach our kids are what? Y'all, yes, yeah, true, sorry. <laughs> Forgot about that one. Please and thank you, right? Those are some of the first. There's yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. There's lots of things we do, and we do it uh, especially here in the South, um, those things. And we, we do them why? Well, the Southern answer would be because they're good manners. That would be the Southern answer. The universal answer, and I think the real answer, is because they recognize others. See, when I say thank you, it recognizes you. When I, it, when I say please, I'm recognizing that you're on the gauge. So the word please recognizes the resources that others have. It positions our needs and our desires, not in a demanding sort of a way, but with a request. And when we say please, it, it positions us uh, in humility, that we would be asking right, rather than demanding what we want. When we say thank you, it recognizes the contribution that others make to us. It, it recognizes their assistance. And it positions our response as one of gratitude and thankfulness. Now I'm going to tell you, practicing manners is a choice. Because I see a lot of people who choose not to. Right? I don't know if it's because they grew up someplace outside of the South. Because here, we say please and thank you. But I will tell you this, I think uh, we teach it and we model it. Why? Because it doesn't come natural to us. I have yet to see a two-year-old who please and thank you is like their favorite phrase. I am yet to see them naturally gravitate towards those phrases. It doesn't come natural to us. So when they're young, we model it, we teach it, we instruct it, we say, say please. Now say thank you, right? We're modeling, we're teaching all of those kinds of things. But it's interesting um, how simple we as adults forget the same sort of thing. We forget, right, the recognition of others. We forget their contribution. We forget to be thankful and, and have gratitude. 
we know that our kids, oftentimes if we didn't give them instructions like that, what would happen? They just take that candy or whatever, and they just take off and go off. They wouldn't pause to, to recognize that something had actually just been given to them. And as adults, we can do the same thing. You put this in your notes. You may not be able to choose your, or change your situation, but you can choose your attitude in the situation. See, we can get to a place where we may not like or may not be able to do exactly what we want to do, but we can choose the right, the right attitude. And I'm not talking about feelings. I'm talking about a mindset. You can't choose your feelings always. I feel what I feel. How many of you uh, know that, that uh, disappointment just comes up, right? It's not like you say, well, hmm, I think I'm going to choose disappointment right now, and I'm going to feel, oh, right? No, it just wells up. Anger wells up. Happiness wells up. Those things are feelings. What I'm talking about is where we choose to be thankful. We choose to have gratitude, right? It's beyond our feelings. It's a mindset. It's a choice. Ephesians 5.20 says this, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to find ourselves where we're always, right, um, joyful. We've always are choosing the right attitude in this thing. The second thing is, into living grateful, is that we... um, is in verse 17, and it's this, pray continually. Pray continually. We pray continually to stay connected to Jesus. It's not just a matter of we pray to hear ourselves pray or because God wants to hear us ask for things all the time. How many parents in here have all, it just, you just, it's in your heart, it's like, I just want to hear them ask me for one more thing. Yes, again and again and again. I just want one more thing, right? It's not prayer. We make it prayer, but that's not what it's intended to be. The idea is that prayer is to be connected to each other. Jesus said in John chapter 15, he said, um, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I am you, you'll bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. See, Jesus is the life. He brings the life. So if we want more life, if we want, we have to stay connected to him. And prayer is the way that we stay connected. Again, uh, here in the South, one of the things uh, that we do is we teach our kids to say their prayers, right? Pray over our meals. We pray before bedtime. Uh, we pray if uh, dad's driving, right? I was going to say mom, but I figured I better not. But I think one of the problems that we have as adults and later in life about prayer is that, is what we've done. Because I don't know that we take it past that, that thing as kids, right? Sometimes, oftentimes in, in America, I see, you see a lot of people that they are teaching them to do their bedtime prayers or their mealtime prayers, but they haven't moved them from that. It becomes this thing we do, right? And it becomes this thing where we say the same thing every time. Versus a real connection and a real conversation with the living God. See, I think if we get to the place where we teach our kids that, if we were taught that, then prayer becomes a lot easier for us as adults. It doesn't become that thing I have to do. It becomes that things that I get to do. See, we want to stay connected. If I have a friend 
who I want to stay connected to and we want to have conversations, those conversations are not one direction. It's not all about everything I want to tell them and then I hang up the phone. Right? It's, they have things that they are living and doing and experiencing and have to say that I want to hear as well. And so that connection is that we have to move it from uh, all about what I want, bless me while I eat and bless me while I sleep, or bless me God. We have to move it to this thing of God, what do you, what do you have to say today? Lord, this is what I'm experiencing today. What do you know about it? How do you see it? What do you have to say to me? Oswald Chambers says this. He says, prayer is the exercise of, of drawing on the grace of God. And if we're really connected, it just isn't going to be one directional. And I'll tell you this. When I realize that God hears me, it changes my prayer. It changes that connectedness. When I realize that he's really listening, even better yet, when I realize that God is responding and talking back to me, when I realize in that quiet place in my prayer time that, I'm, that I think I, I got a sense of what he's saying to me, it changes from this thing I do to this thing of like, you're not going to believe this. I was praying the other day and I felt like God said this to me, right? It comes alive, but I'm not sure that in all cases we've, we've, we've gotten ourselves to that because we are so used to doing this. Now I lay me down to sleep or, um, you know what I'm saying? We've not moved prayer to this true connectedness that it's designed to be. But when we do, when we realize that we are connected, it's amazing how easy gratitude seems to just pour out of us. Why? Because the living God is connected to us. The living God is talking to us. The living God is listening and is part of what's going on in our lives, no matter how difficult it is. How many of you know there's a lot to be thankful for? I mean, there's a lot that we have to be thankful for. The pilgrims are not the only people in November who are supposed to be thankful. We can be thankful in November. You know, I just looked this morning, I looked into the, the bulletin and sort of this thanks for giving thing that was in the bulletin. And on the back of it, there's all of these ministries that we've partnered with. I mean, it's two columns that we've gotten to partner with and see things like amazing things happen, invested into. And then the front side was things that we as a church, and I just looked through this, I thought, We've had 62 people from Grace Covenant go on a missions trip to change the world this year. Are you joking me? That's amazing to me that we've provided groceries and fed 324 families as a a broader church family this year. That we've been able to, to help 89 families who were in a difficult situation and needed our help. We've got... We trained 25 leaders in Nicaragua this year. For those of you who don't know, we started a Nicaraguan Bible Institute about eight years ago, and we've already graduated almost 100 pastors from there. That just amazes me, the things that God has allowed us to be a part of and allowed us to be be able to do. When I was thinking about being uh, grateful, this morning I was really excited about what 
what our future holds in this congregation. The idea that for the first time we're going to have a building of our own. And it's going to be our own 24-7 location. And our kids are going to have a place that's really theirs. It's not going to be a basement. right? It's going to be some kids space. For, and that we're going to have a place where we can do what we want to do in the middle of the week. Whether it be children's ministries, teen youth ministries, women's Bible studies, men's breakfast. It's our place. We don't have to ask permission. We don't have to do it. And above all else, we don't have to set up anything. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Right? After 16 years to be able to do that. So if that wasn't exciting enough, as I was thinking about that and preparing for the sermon, um, I asked a little question from our accounting department. And you know, I told you that we had to raise, I said we, we as a church, all three congregations, our bigger church family is going to raise $100,000 to, to make it possible for us to get in there. But we wanted to do our best, right? At the end of the day, this is us. This is our city, our community, our congregation, and it's our building. We've already raised over a third of that. Us. Nobody else. And there's still yet more coming in. I've had people this week tell me there's more coming in. I'm just grateful for what God is doing. And there's much to be gra- have gratitude over that he's at work. In Grace Covenant Statesville, he's at work in our community doing stuff. For those of you who were here two years plus ago, when I came the first Sunday, I, I told you then that God had spoken to me and I preached a sermon and it was called Let Us Arise and Build and I told you what I felt like that the Lord had told me that Statesville was going to be and was going to do. And I know that the 38 people in that room that day thought this guy has lost his freaking mind. But I'm telling you people, God is doing it. God is doing it. He has brought us here. He is growing us. He is, he is giving us the location that he said he was going to put us in a place that would be our own. I mean, all of that is happening. And so it's really easy for me today to be grateful and have gratitude for what God is doing in our city, in our church, in our congregation. Not just Grace Covenant, but in Statesville. And this brings us to our third point. It's easy to be grateful in all of those things. But our third point is this, is we have to give thanks in all circumstances. That's what it says in verse 18. And so to do that, sometimes we have to look for the good. We do. You know, I mentioned a while ago that I had traveled last weekend with Celia. And, um, and it was a good weekend and everything. What I didn't tell you was what happened when I got home. So on the way back... Um, I had been gone for about three days, I think, at that time, maybe four. And when I got back to Charlotte, my uh, my bag, first off, I, they decided they wanted to check my bag, that there wasn't enough overhead space. That's the first time that's happened to me in, like, years, maybe decades. But my bag decided to take the opportunity. It wasn't done with its vacation. So it decided to spend another night in Atlanta while I came on back to Charlotte. So I get back to Charlotte. And I have no bag. And you know it's a problem when they call you. You're standing on the carousel and you're watching everybody else's bags go around. And they go, Mr. Glenn, if Mr. Paul Glenn could come and meet us at the baggage claim. And they get there. And this is what she says to me. She goes, I think maybe your bag might not have made it here. I'm thinking, well, I haven't told you that yet. So I'm thinking you know it didn't make it here. 
something, okay, okay, it's all right. It's all good. It'll be fine. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go get in the truck. I'm going to go home. So I get on the shuttle bus, go to long-term two, section W, and it is in that moment that I realize the truck keys are in that bag in Atlanta. Yeah, they decided to stay with the bag and have another vacation within Atlanta. So I'm thinking, I'm going to shuttle. I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do? And I thought, you know what? I took the trailer hitch off and I put in, I've got a little safe that fits into my hitch receiver and it has a key in it. And I thought, thank you, Lord. I put that in there. I'm good. I'll have a key when I get there. So I get off the bus at section W and I'm looking around. Walking, looking around. Guess what? There is no truck to be found. So I'm walking around in the dark. I don't have anything that I can chirp to find the little truck. And I'm looking for my truck. I have no bag. I have no keys. Now I have no truck. I'm like, what in the world? So I'm walking around. Finally, I wave down one of the shuttle buses. They've got a guy who will come and he'll drive you up and down the roads looking for your truck. And he says, so how small is your car that you can't see it over? I'm like, it's not small. It's a truck. It's bigger. (laughs) Oh, so now you can just tell like all of this is like not going well. And so we search around W, X, Y. Okay, let's go back. U, V. We check nothing. And the truck's not there. And he says, are you sure? And I said, yeah, I'm sure. I even wrote it down. I put it, I had to pull it out. Where I said, well, maybe, 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 could it be M? You know, I've, I've traveled a lot. Maybe, maybe it was M or something. I don't know. We started looking around, nothing. So finally I said, what are you doing? This gets away. I said, well, he said, well, you take a taxi or an Uber home or you call a family member. And, you know, he says, I guess we report it stolen. I said, out of the parking lot? He says, did you leave your ticket in it? I said, yeah, I did. And he said, well, maybe you could have been. So I'm thinking, and so on our way out, um, I asked him, I said, are there any other sections like W, anything at all, anything random? He said, well, there's a section WW. I said, let's go look over there. So we go, we go over to section WW, and there's my truck. (laughs) But the bus station says W. One of the W's was missing. There's U-U-V-V-W-X-X-Y-Y. There's like only one W. So I wrote it down wrong, but I was in the wrong. So I spent all this time walking around the cold and the dark without a bag, without keys. looking. Anyway, I'm glad. I get in my truck. I I pull the, the keys there. I get in. I'm pulling out. And I look over. Somebody took my passenger side view mirror off my truck. You can't make this stuff up, people. If you go right around here on the corner, you can look. It's still missing. There's three bare wires sticking out. And I tell you all of that to tell you this. It's sometimes to give thanks in all circumstances, you have to look for the good. And I can tell you as bad and as crummy as all of that was, being able to do ministry with my daughter for the weekend you can't take that away, right? There's a good in all of that. There's, there's a thing in that. But I would say that to even understand that, not every circumstance is good, but there's goodness in all, 
all around us, so we have to look for it. But I would tell you that I know, having said all of that, that some of us in this room have not been through a good year. And it hasn't seemed like there's a lot to celebrate. And I know that there are some of us in this room, and we're still walking through it. I know that. And it would not surprise me at all if in this moment some might be saying, but Pastor Paul, with all due respect, my situation is a lot worse than a lost bag and a lost key and a lost truck and a stolen mirror. And I know that, and I would agree with that. I know that not every situation is good, but we can find the good in it. I got a friend in the back of the room. They, they told him cancer this year, and that wasn't good. But being told that there is none left in your body, that is good. Walking through with people in this room who weren't sure if God is really hearing or answering their prayers isn't good. But then to see his provision six months later, it is. Having infections and seizures and almost losing your life is not good. But being alive and in your right mind and having your faith and your humor intact is good. There's a good in all of it. This time last year, not being able to walk and being told that your friends seem to be taken off of life support is not good. But today, to be alive, walking, and your friend is not only not on life support, but they are alive and getting better, slowly but surely, is good. We have much to be grateful for. We do. We just have to look for it. We have to look for it. I would tell you that for... Jim Gibney and from my friend in their East Lincoln campus that I buried his wife yesterday. Losing a family member isn't good, but realizing how much your church family loves you and is going to walk alongside you with the love of the Lord, that is good. There is a good that we can find in all of it. Because Christ, because of the love of God, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, we can we can find good and we can give thanks in everything. There's a quote from William Ward. He says this, Gratitude can transform common days into thanksgivings. And it can turn routine jobs into joy and change ordinary opportunities into blessings. See, I think that the God who made us knows that our lives are better when we're grateful. Because of gratitude, it does this. It takes our focus off of what we don't have to allow us to see what we do possess. They've said that gratitude 
It impacts the way we see life. It makes us happy, actually, when we are thankful. Psychologists and physicians say that they can see that it, that act begins to change the way that we feel. It begins to change our health. It creates a positive atmosphere of joy. And it feeds our faith when we're grateful and we practice gratitude. I have just a couple of concluding thoughts. The first one is this. Living with an attitude of gratitude is not just a nice option to choose. See, here in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul takes it and he puts it in the imperative tone. He says this, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. In this, it's clearly an instruction. The tone is instructive. It's not like, hey, you could or you might, or it might be, a, you know, why don't you think about it? No, he's saying, do this. And then he also says this, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How many of you know that God wants nothing but good for us? So that's why this is, if this is his will, right, that we would rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. That that's good for us. If it's if this is his will, if these are the instructions from the Apostle Paul and he says this is God's will, then there's a benefit in all of this. So my final thought is this, and I shared it earlier. Living with an attitude of gratitude opens your life to more life. It opens you to see him work in a greater way in your life. And it positions you for God's blessings. We want to be a people. We want to be a congregation that's grateful. Because I'm going to tell you what. When other people around us see that we're thankful and grateful for not only the true blessings, but that we can find something to be thankful for and continuously in all circumstances... How many of you know that that is odd in a good way? And it opens up doors of conversations where people saying, how is it though that you feel this way? How is it that you aren't down? How is it? It's in those moments, right, that God is opening a window into their own hearts and into their own minds to understand who he is and what he desires for them. And our role is to just be that. We're just the ones who are grateful in all circumstances. We're the ones who are continuously giving praise and adoration. We're the ones who are staying connected through prayer to the God of the heavens who loves us more than we love ourselves. Sometimes I think that we as Americans love ourselves too much, but then I always realize there is one who loves us more than we even love ourselves. But when we're grateful, when we have an attitude of gratitude, it allows other people to see that as well. Would you stand with me this morning? As we go this morning, I want to pray over us. Um, 
one of the things that we do um, that I've been doing is I've been looking into, I call them I prayers, the Apostle Paul's I prayers. And I want to pray one of his prayers where he says, I pray and he prays something. I want to pray this over us this morning. So would you bow your heads before we go? Lord, as we go out of here today, I pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened so that we could know what's the hope of your calling on us. Lord, what is the riches of an amazing and glorious inheritance that we have in relationship with each other? And that we would know the surpassing greatness of the power that you extend towards those of us who believe. Lord, as we go out of here today, I pray that we would go in your favor and your power and your might. We pray this today in Christ's name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.